Hey you, welcome to Taylor Shapers of Influence podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and things that will influence us. We'll dissect the integrated worlds of marketing, pop culture, and everything in between, from fashion to sports to entertainment. We're not only creating conversations, we're leading them too. Join us. Welcome and thank you for coming on our Shapers of Influence podcast. As our listeners will soon realize, Joel is the voice in the intro and outro of this podcast. A storyteller, father, recovering rapper, and senior copywriter here at Taylor, Joel writes and tells stories for Black people. He specializes in moderating and leading conversations surrounding race, masculinity, mental health, creativity, and the performing arts. So thank you for joining us. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I forgot that I, my voice is also the intro and the outro, so now that I feel very <laughs> I feel very awkward, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. So that's great. Um, yeah. So we're here today to talk about uh, allyship in in and outside the workplace. So for a bit of context as to what allyship is, I thought it'd be interesting to share a good quote from my favorite singer Rihanna uh, during her powerful <laughs> speech at the 2020 NAACP Image Awards. So this, the quote goes, when we're marching and protesting and posting about the Michael Brown Juniors and the Tatiana Jeffersons of the world, tell your friends to pull up. So that's essentially, I guess, a good way of saying what yeah. eyelashship is. So um, you've also recently written an essay on a book that was recently published about eyelashship, actually. So yeah. what inspired you to write this essay and what do you hope readers learn from this? Well, I think I, I think first you bring up a uh, I think that Rihanna quote really does do a good job of kind of summing up right what um, allyship is, and I think you know to, to also be fair and to be frank, a lot of the conversations, especially the conversations last last year, I saw a lot of activists and and act and 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 in those in the community almost pivoting from allyship as as a way in it and more more or less calling people accomplices. Um, allyship for, for some feels passive. I still personally think there's a place for the use of that language because I think allyship um, allows people to recognize to, again, to, 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 to Rihanna's quote, that there is an opportunity to bring other people on board to support causes that mean something to them and to the community. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Clay Rivers, who's the editor, who's the editor of um, of a publication uh, uh, that actually lives uh, within the walls of Medium.com, the uh, the online platform. Um, uh, Clay had reached out to me about this anthology on allyship, and he had mentioned specifically that he wanted me to close the book, which I was very appreciative of, um, and that that really stemmed from a lot of the work that I had been doing. Um, early in the year, I mean, prior to 2020, I'd been doing a lot of writing centered around um, Blackness, um, activism in the Black community, and then also a lot of work surrounding um, how America generally perceives Black bodies. Uh, and um, Clay had reached out, because I had, I had been doing a lot more writing for Newsweek um, in 2020 um, for, for in, in um, the, their opinion space. And so, um, for me, I, uh, I I jumped at the opportunity to really kind of I guess wax poetic uh, about what what it means to be an ally, um, and I think um, 
allyship is not just for um, the white community. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm very clear about designating space for black people and then also persons of color. Um, I think it's very easy to group them together and understandably so, but I think that each experience, honestly, even within that spectrum of POCs is very different and it varies. Um, and so allyship, I think really is, again, going back to the honest um, quote, it's about bringing everyone along um, for the ride and for the journey and making sure we're all on board um, when it comes to uh, protecting black lives um, for uh, ensuring the safety of black lives. Definitely. I recently joined Taylor um, back in September. And uh, every time I talk to people around uh, Taylor, um, I talk about how great it is um, when it comes to diversity and all the efforts they do towards DE and I and things like that. Mm. Um, and for me, again, it's like one of the most diverse workplaces I've been in. I've That's awesome. It's to say I've entered at the UN and it's shocking for me to say that. Yeah, uh, wow. That's yeah. Right. And um, so, it's been, so, that, so that's been great. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think we're doing right at the office and what do you think we need to work on? Yeah, well, well, I think, um, you know, I'm also part of the, the uh, DNI council here. And I joined, I think I want to say a little after my first um, year. And Taylor was in a very different place uh, before. Um, and, and not to say that we were uh, horrible, but I think we were learning how to better show up for the community and having a better understanding of what that could look like. And so when you look at the, the efforts of HR to ensure that even just the interning, the, the, the interning class that comes in is very diverse. Um, like that, that was a point, that was a strategy. Um, I, I think what I, what I think of what Taylor does well is the um, people don't give enough credit, I think, for trying. I think we are also at a place um, as a community, and I can't speak for all in the Black community, but I think we're, I think we're almost, we're kind of exhausted with the idea of people, what people are doing. Um, and and I, I will say, I think Taylor has been trying and doing to a certain extent um, when it comes to trying to find ways to support um, black staff, I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And I think a lot of that comes with seeing more um, black faces and brown faces in leadership. You know, I, I think it's, it's one thing to have interns come in um, and that's incredibly important. I think it's also important to promote within. So ensuring that if we do bring black creatives and black interns in, what is the, what does it look like? What does the potential look like for them to be to 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 go from interns to actual hires, um, and then from there, how do we black talent? Um, how do we promote black and brown talent? Granted, you know I can recognize that we're in a pandemic, and so things shift a lot. Like when you know, and I, I think I'm fortunate enough to to be privy to what what we have um, access to and what we don't, as far as like budget and stuff is concerned. But that's I think the the most striking thing is needing to see more black leadership because, you know, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, there is something to be said for being managed by a black man or a black woman or a black non-binary individual um, or a person who is non-black, right? Having a very in-depth, um, like having the ability to be very much an ally in that space and recognizing um, the things that affect black um, employees and colleagues um, and being sensitive to that. 
um, in, a, in a way that creates more room for growth. And I think that's also something maybe that's lacking. Uh, no, definitely. Um, I think just speaking on that, uh, what I interviewed for Taylor actually um, interviewed with like three different people. Uh, and one of them was a black woman. And yeah. again, it was the first time I had been interviewed by a black person. And speaking as the, I myself as a as a black woman, it was it was uh, it made me so much more at ease. Um, mm-hmm. Calm my nerves yeah. and everything because it yeah. almost felt like you're talking to somebody that you know you're that you know better. I don't know. It's just like that level no. of connectiveness that you have with a person, and it just calms your nerves down a lot. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 different. It, it's a game changer. I think like even just walking into a room, I, you know, uh, white people don't do this. Like I remember, I don't know. I feel like it might have been Joshua, um, Joshua, who's one of our um, senior art creative persons here like I remember seeing him um in the great room when we still were like going into our office and I think he was interviewing I think it was him it might or it could have been honestly it could have been another black male who looked like Joshua but the idea of seeing another black face in the room and then there's generally an acknowledgement of that yeah. like <laughs> like it almost goes without saying it's like oh you here oh yeah. cool like it's we look for each other because we look for community and, and, and I think that's what I love the most about us is, is that, but I also think that comes from, to your point, that comfort that comes from seeing another black face, even it could be another black person does not have that experience. They grew up in a different place, a different country, a different area, but there's still that shared experience of blackness yeah. and what it means to be black in a workspace that's generally almost always white, dominantly white, predominantly white. And so having that, um, I think it is, is helpful because it, it allows for um, it allows for us to uh, to feel to your point to feel seen in that regard, you know, mm-hmm. which is important. Oh, definitely. Um, so I think one thing we'd love to talk about now is, I guess, the current situation in America. I'd say now, um, mm-hmm. and what's going on from this summer. To now, yeah. so there's so many yeah. things that's happened from even just the riots that happened at the Capitol um, on January sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. From like you know the Black Lives Matter movements and stuff. So yeah. I guess uh, what what are your thoughts about about that actually? Well, <laughs> you know I I, I think um, you know Malcolm and Malcolm said something after the um, unfortunate uh, assassination of JFK, where he, he says that uh, the, the, the chickens have come home to roost. And he's alluding to the fact that America has reaped what has been sown. And so therefore they, um, th- this is, I think the, when I look at what happened at the Capitol, this is, I was not surprised. I think I was surprised to a certain extent. I think I was surprised at the audacity of it, I think. Um, in the large numbers of, of individuals that stormed the Capitol, I think. So I wouldn't even say I was shocked, shocked by the audacity of it. I mean, I think this has been building up for the past four years during um, 45's presidency. Um, so I, I think for me, it, it's a, it was a reminder. And if I'm being honest, you know, this is not, <laughs> what I see happening at the Capitol is not Black people's problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we didn't create yeah. Word, like word, like you know, I don't know if you've seen like the there's like the Marge Simpson uh, meme when she's kind of like 
covering her face. <laughs> yeah. Like that was that was me. It's like, nah, so this is not this is nothing to do with me. Like it has everything to do with us because there's the frustration of seeing democracy actually unfold. When you look at what happened in Georgia, when you look at what happened during this election, it's it's seeing how democracy actually works when the black vote is recognized. You know, like what happened in Georgia can happen across the country. But when you look at how the GOP has continuously enforced and like for generations um, uh, enforced laws and, and, and enforced legislation to in order to prohibit the black vote, what you saw at the Capitol was a bunch of very angry, bitter um, white men and women who were kind of trying to make their last stand, you know, and, and being asked by the president of the United States of America really to do so. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I think that that's a whole other podcast. I think, honestly, when we look at um, the lack of backbone that I think this now, um, this very new, I think, Republican Party, this new version of the Republican Party has when it comes to um, really understand, like having some level of value. Um, you know, it's, it, I think I'm honestly probably more disgusted by that than the Capitol, because the, to me, the coup the coup is, is not like, they've been talking about this, yeah. you know? So it was uh, disturbing, but not surprising, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I feel like just even after this whole coup happened, yeah, it opened a lot of eyes to, it opened a lot of white people's eyes um, and realized mm-hmm. how black people in America have been, have been treated throughout this yeah. for the past centuries. I feel yeah. like it, it, it literally took, a whole crew, it took people to stage a whole crew for people to understand that like, yeah, we're not treated the same. Cause you know, for a fact that if it was black people, Muslims, mm-hmm. anybody it would have been called yeah. a terrorist attack, it would have been bloodshed everywhere around, absolutely. you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think, and, and I think to your point too, it's I, what I, um, which again is why I think I got, I got so frustrated with the response, right? Yeah. By, by, by the GOP, by the police force, um, but when I see when I see people like you know what I'm resigning, I, I think again I get more upset because it's like oh it took this yeah. this event or it took your life being in danger, which I think is a interesting enough I think is also a very excellent point. Generally speaking, people are not concerned with things that live outside of their bubble, you know, unless they are forced to do so. Mm-hmm. And the incident at the Capitol is one of those things where people felt like their jobs are probably going to be on the line now. Like people were, I don't necessarily think people were making a, a decision based out of good faith to resign. I think it was like, I need to save myself or this has gone too far. And it's like, why do we have to go too far in order? And what is too far? And how and why is your definition of too far different than ours? Granted, that is all very subjective. But I think when you see black bodies being brutalized by the police or you see you know, when you see the increase in, in, in uh, death by executions that have happened over the course of these past several months, you're looking at a presidency that is overwhelmingly xenophobic, racist, um, homophobic, like there, there's a misogynist, yeah. misogynistic, there's so many things, but it seems like that this was the thing for people. It was, it was the, the, the potential harm of white bodies that made people feel like they needed to be a call to action, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, like th- this is not, this is nothing surprising, 
Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I think also just like to your point, just like really echoing what you were saying, is that it's something my sister says all the time is that you never, I think white people uh, or just other people of color never really understand um, racism or what people, black people go through until they have yeah. somebody they love who are black and things like that. You know, take Kim Kardashian, for example. Mm-hmm. I feel like she yeah. was, uh, you know, didn't really, didn't really understand where our, where like black people would come from and stuff until she had black children of her own. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then she would yeah. be in the plane and like now has actually experienced racism, like while she was mm-hmm. on the plane to Vienna or whatever. So yeah. it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that too. Yeah, it makes me think of like black, and not to like turn this discussion to black men, but like when I think of, when I hear black men, like, yo, I didn't know how hard it was to, to, to deal until I had a black daughter or whatever. And it's like, it shouldn't have to take that thing to happen in order for you to recognize the plight of a community. And I think a lot of that goes to awareness, awareness of not just self, but of, of community. Because when you're paying attention to the, to, to the things that ail the community, to the things that live outside of you, you are a more productive citizen of the world. And I think there's, a very, there's very much a lack of that, that kind of consideration in general. Um, which also, th- though, I think is like when you when we talk about the things that I think Taylor is doing well, I, I do I can see uh, uh, an attempt to be considerate of that of the voices of uh, of the black bodies um, in the agency, which I think is important if we're going to continue to move forward and build as an agency. No, that's um, obviously super important. So yeah. um, talking about allyship outside the workplace. Uh, we're looking, we saw all these protests and everything going on in the summer. And now you walk around the streets, the streets are quiet. People are quiet. Yeah. All these people who are posting black squares on Instagram, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. hear about yeah. from them anymore and things like that. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, you, you, would hear, you, you, would hear, you will hear some black activists in the community say like the protests didn't really stop. There was still a lot of protesting happening in Baltimore. There were protests still happening in New York mm-hmm. um, to, to a certain degree. Um, there were still protests actually happening in, in, around the world, which I think was beautiful to see. I think the media stopped caring because there wasn't any violence involved, right? Because that's not a mediable story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though, to, for, for the allies, you know, I, I didn't put really much much faith in in like the, the, the Blackout Tuesday, I, I think. I think, I think performative allyship does have a role. As much as folks kind of wag their finger at it, I think it brings attention to some who maybe had maybe would not have been paying attention. And those people might actually do something. You know, I think there's a lot of like, for all intents and purposes, as sometimes as corny as people make it, make it seem like, oh man, this ain't really doing nothing or doesn't move the needle. It gets people talking and I think uh, a healthy dose of conversation and action leads to um, is fundamental to our democracy, but I think also leads is a catalyst for change, for real change. People need to be talking about it, you know. And I don't like people are kind of getting into the weeds of, you know, you see, this is what it's, look what it's doing to the algorithm. It's not about that. It's about we we get so stuck in in the momentary conversation right, of the thing that's happening right now that is easy mm-hmm. to forget. I think the macro, like the bigger 
um, the, 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 the bigger part of the conversation, right? Which is liberation, you know, liberation for all people and liberation for all people does not exist if we are not liberating the most disenfranchised. And so that would be black women, black trans women, femmes, um, and, and uh, indigenous folks, um, uh, people with disabilities. Like we, that's where our liberation lies. Um, very specifically and particularly with black women and black trans women. And so when I see the, 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 the kind of quietness of it, it's me also recognizing that there are other people who are doing the work on the field, in the field still, you know? Um, you know, Stacey Abrams and all the other wonderful black women in Georgia, you know, when I think of people who I personally know, unfortunately, you know, like the uh, Jamira, Jamira Burleys of the world, the, the, the Brittany Pacchiettis of the world, um, excuse me, Brittany Packnets of the world. The, um, there, there are individuals who are leading the charge um, in their home states, in their communities, um, socially, to continue to ha have the conversations, continue to push forward. And so for me, I don't worry too much about what's not being done from that point of view when it comes to the allies. I more or less try to focus my attention on those who are consistently doing the work and showing up for the community and also trying to figure out ways to support them, you know, um, as much as they are supporting us. Well, that's definitely such a, such a good way to look at things and it's such a positive perspective to look at it. And um, I completely agree with you because it really sparked a lot of conversations that were never had, um, especially in the yeah. workplace. I mean, I don't even think, uh, if we were having, if we had this conversation or like maybe two, three years ago, um, a lot of people would be like, why did like, why, why are they talking about this? Or yeah. like, you know, things yeah. like that. Like yeah. it wouldn't be yeah. so easy. So it wouldn't mm -hmm. be so easy to talk about this um, so openly mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so I think like definitely like, even if they went and posted these black squares and stuff like that, the, the, there's still people, um, there's still sparking conversation and people were talking about things that made them uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and, and yes. No, that's, I mean, yes, like that's it. And I think too, it's, we have to recognize that not everyone is going to be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like posting a black square is very much low hanging fruit, um, but it's still fruit. And so that's kind of the perspective I take from it. I think even those people who posted a black square to your question, right, kind of just disappeared. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. You know, like not everyone is going to be on board with all initiatives. Yeah. It's just a fact. This is kind of human nature. You know, not every black person honestly was is, is on board for how we're choosing to liberate ourselves. Not every black person wants to have a conversation about defunding the police. We have very much black folks who are Democrats, mm -hmm. um, who probably are opposed to that notion. And I think we have to create space for the dialogue. I don't think you're right, but I think part of Part of what we do in a democracy is have, have healthy debate about these things. But again, not everyone is going to be doing the same thing. A lot of people are a lot more progressive. A lot of people want to, there are people who really want to send the links to donate to organizations or to petitions or like there are people who are calling um, um, and, and ensuring that people are voting in their districts. Like, and there's some people who are just going to be the ones who pass that information on to others. You know, I think we have to, it's okay to make space and room for all these individuals. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's important. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's important yeah, to make the space and spark the conversation and get people talking. And let's yeah. keep on talking about, you know, just things that make us uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, make yeah. It, yeah, make it comfortable. 
Yeah, I mean, and, I, and that's it. I think it's beautiful. Like, you know, it, it's part of part of the like one of the things that I think excited me about being at Kale, especially after I saw the the team really wanting to make a concentrated effort to bolster D and I initiatives, but not just bolster them, but do the work that's going to be required to make sure we're not just having a panel, but we're doing something that's going to benefit the community and benefit the employees here. A lot of that is having uncomfortable conversations. You know, like when we had a town hall and Tony essentially asked me to take the floor, which I was very honored to do. And part of that was me, you know, for, I mean, for lack of a better term, I was speaking for my black colleagues mm -hmm. um, and trying to, to the best of my abilities while recognizing my privilege as a light skinned man who's holding this opportunity. And so my, my job felt like, it felt like it was imperative for me to kind of lay down what it meant to be an ally and have our white colleagues pay attention to what is going to need to happen in order to shift the paradigm, not just for the agency, but for the world. And, you know, I, I don't know if everyone took that to heart. I'm sure maybe some people did, and I'm sure some people took it to heart for a week and then went home and forgot about it because that's just human nature. I think my primary concern is, is always going to be those individuals who hear the call and decide to do something with that call. Um, and in and, and, and hopes that we can create a better foundation for the individuals who are just coming in, right? Like, like, like you, like yourself, Natalie, and those who you hope, even if they're here at Taylor or not at Taylor, can take that energy and bring it to their communities, bring it to their workspace, to their families. You know, like that's the goal. It's bigger than us, you know, and I think the more people can understand that, I think that the, the better all of us will be, especially allies, I think. With all that being said, where, what, what do you think we should be doing next? You know, um, where are the next steps forward? Yeah. Uh, where do you see this, like, allyship moving forward? I, guess? I, I think it does move from something, and it's something I mentioned earlier. I think it does move from allyship to accomplice, to accomplices. Mm -hmm. Granted, accomplices is not a, is not a sexy word, and... You know, it's the same argument that people had with uh, defund the police. Defund the police does not really encapsulate the full strategy um, of what it means. And I can understand that. I mean, I disagree to a certain extent, but language is important. As a senior copywriter, I get like people gravitate towards things, but being accomplices really means, um, and it doesn't even have to be accomplices, but it's recognizing that allyship is just more than posting a black square. It's how, and, it's, and it starts very small. And I think us moving forward, what I imagine is us recognizing how small it starts. Because I think, and this is more dedicated to allies, but I think allies tend to think of, and this is reverse of what I said earlier, think of the macro. And you have to start thinking of the micro. Like, how am I talking to my black colleagues? Do I have any black friends? Why don't I have any black friends? Not to say that you go out and just make black friends, but looking at like, why is my circle not diverse? Mm -hmm. You know, who am I, you know, what am I saying in the workplace or around or about black and brown folks um, that is not being aware or sensitive to the community? You know, um, it's, it's gonna take a new level of awareness and there's a very fine balance between being hyper aware and just being anxious about not saying the wrong thing in front of black people. You know, I, I think the, the, the future of, of allyship is really about building true community. And true community lives outside of just a Blackout Tuesday. It lives outside just a protest. It's 
how are we showing up on a day-to-day -day basis for each other? Um, because when we're doing that, it actually becomes a lot easier to be an ally in the pure sense of, the, of work, where you're actually going to want to show up. You will be compelled to show up in, in the ways that are going to benefit the community. Because when you recognize that, you can also understand that whatever benefits the community actually benefits you. If Black women are being paid equal pay in their workplace, that benefits you. You know, if they, if, if Black, if, if everyone in the Black community has the right to vote, including um, felons or, 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 or and, and hate like ex um, individuals who were formerly incarcerated, like if they have the right to vote, that means every, that means our democracy is going to be better. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's that, I think that, the, the, but I think the future really of allyship comes back down to the vote. You know, the, uh, when, when, um, when, uh, when the Voting Rights, when, when, when the Voting Rights Act was um, disbanded, it was the, the argument was that there was no need for it because racism is essentially over. And, and I think racism, I, I don't necessarily know if racism will ever be over. I don't, I don't think there's a such thing as a utopia or nirvana here on earth from the physical sense, maybe in the spiritual sense. But I, I think part of that work is going to require us to um, be very aware and diligent on a daily basis, um, like attacking racism where it stands and holding people accountable. Yeah. You know, um, holding people accountable and potentially even forgiving people once they admit accountability, um, which is a very big part of that. Like there can be no, there can be no joining of the minds and unity if people are not raising their hands and saying, I am responsible for what has happened. And America does a very piss poor job of that. I don't know if America ever will be able to admit that, but our work is to get America there, I think. Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, thank you so much uh, for coming today. Um, and if our readers want to feel inspired by Joel's words, uh, you can follow him on Twitter or Instagram at your handle, which is. <laughs> <laughs> it's um so it, it's a uh, I am Joel Lee on on Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's Joel AKA. Uh, M as in Mary A G because Mag used to be my rap name, hence recovering rapper in my bio. Um, but yeah, find me there. All right, thank you so much, Joel. No problem, Mary. Thank you, girl. Well, that wraps up this episode of Taylor Shapers of Influence. To learn more about what we do at Taylor, you can find us at TaylorStrategy.com. Looking for more episodes of the podcast? Find us wherever you stream stuff. We're on iTunes and other major streaming platforms. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Taylor Strategy. Thanks for stopping by and tuning in. Peace.